This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Kristen Jane, CEO of National Surgical Ventures and Limb Preservation Centers of America. Dr. Jane, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Now, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the big trends in healthcare and uh, cardiology, how that's evolving in the outpatient space. But first off, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, so I'm a vascular surgeon. I'm not a cardiologist, uh, but uh, the discipline, discipline of vascular surgery now crosses many paths with uh, cardiology and intervention radiology. So I was practicing for a long time in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm the clinical professor of surgery at uh, Western Michigan University Homer Stryker MD School of Medicine. And I was instrumental in opening uh, two societies. Uh, I was one of the founding members for uh, Outpatient Endovascular Interventional Society and South Asian American Vascular Society. So my passion has been to, to get people into the outpatient uh, arena where most of the endovascular procedure these days can be done. Uh, because I started doing them in 2007 in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, the most popular name people may know besides ASC is an OBL or of office-based lab, uh, or sometimes people call it office endovascular suites. So I've been uh, helping uh, uh, cardiologists, radiologists, uh, vascular surgeons get into the outpatient arena where they can do a lot of procedures outside the hospital setting. Got it. That is really fascinating to hear. And you know, what has it been like to kind of be one of the you know, early adopters, I suppose, of doing outpatient procedures um, and then leading kind of this march in that direction. And it seems like now finally there, there's a lot of momentum to move more um, heart care and procedures into the outpatient setting. What has that, you know, journey been like? Yeah, it is quite fascinating because actually it all started in 2005. There was a deficit reduction act that allowed uh, that the CMS can start paying for some procedures in the, in the office-based labs, uh, and so that was basically an extension of practice. So we started, we adopted that in 2007. We were like the sixth or the seventh lab in the country. Since then, in 2011, uh, Medicare, uh, CMS, started paying for more procedures for peripheral intervention in the legs. And that really opened uh, the floodgates. A lot of people are interested in that. And now there are about 750 plus office-based labs in the country being run by vascular surgeons, cardiologists, and intervention radiologists most of the time. But now uh, the trend is changing a little bit and that uh, CMS has managed to cut down some of the payments in the office-based labs. And they're trying to push more cases into the ambulatory surgery centers, which are more highly regulated. And more and more people are uh, going into either an OBL or an ASC. Uh, But most of the cardiology procedures uh, like coronary angiograms and uh, coronary angioplasty, they cannot be done in an OBL. They're only done in an ambulatory surgery center because... uh, as I said, they're much more highly regulated as compared to an OBL. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you for going through that with us. Now, Dr. Jane, what are the top three trends that you're following in healthcare today? Well, one of the biggest things that we, as we just talked about, as we are talking about in this podcast, has to do with the patients moving out of the hospital. Uh, the CMS has recognized that the similar care or better care, actually, sometimes can be provided in an outpatient setting. And it's a lot cheaper than the patient going to the hospital. Uh, not just the CMS, a lot of the private insurance companies now have realized that uh, they can get the same care uh, on an outpatient basis. So patients are encouraged to go to an ASC or an OBL. Got it, got it. So the Medicare, um, some of their policy changes to be able to pay in those types of settings have really encouraged that shift. Are you seeing the same thing for commercial payers as well? 
Absolutely. So the way it works out is uh, in an office-based lab or where the extension of practice is, if you already have contracts with the private payers and, of course, with the CMS, uh, then they basically extend the same contract for the procedures being done in the office. Uh, when it is an ASC situation, then first of all, you have to get uh, the Medicare number, which is a very tedious, almost a few months to a year long procedure. But once you have that, say, the number from Medicare, then you can use that number as a basis to apply for contracts with private payers. And almost invariably, nobody ever turns it down because, uh, as I said, the, the cost of care in the ASC is much better, much, much cheaper uh, than uh, in the hospital. When the ASC payment schedule was made, uh, it was compared. It was made based on the base. Uh, it was based on the basis of what CMS pays for the hospital outpatient department, uh, based on prospective payment system. Uh, but when they created the, the fee structure for ASC, uh, it usually pays about sixty cents on a dollar to an ASC as compared to what they pay to the hospital outpatient department or in or an inpatient, maybe even higher. So there is an incentive for CMS as well as all the payers when they already know that the cost of the procedure will be at least 60 at least 40% cheaper than the hospital based system got it that makes a lot of sense and you know it's really interesting to hear and think about uh, you know are, are there any other aspects um, that are kind of driving the the trends that you're seeing in healthcare whether it's something to do with um, you know policy or economic challenges, or I know even with the past year in COVID-19, I'm sure is having an impact on how physicians and surgeons are able to practice in, in um, their particular settings. Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a huge shift, uh, you know, especially with the COVID, what happened was that uh, though many of the outpatient centers were closed because of the resources and uh, people just didn't know how to handle the, the pandemic uh, initially. Uh, but it has become much more apparent that when you go to a more restricted, uh, more controlled environment like an ASC, uh, in this environment, many, many more patients can be taken care of the ASC because it's a small system. You have working with uh, 10 or 15 or 20, maybe 30 employees. Uh, so it's a lot easier to manage infection control and spread of COVID, et cetera, in an ASC as compared to a hospital system where they have uh, the hundreds of thousands of people uh, coming through the hospital. Uh, the other thing that happens is also in one of the hospitals where I was chief of surgery, uh, we went through a study and we found that when a patient came in, the patient had uh, 35 touches. What that means is when as a patient, if you go in the hospital, by the time you end up leaving the hospital, you have been you have interacted with 35 people or more. Uh, while you come to an OBL or an ASC, uh, then you basically have six or seven people you come in contact with. So it's a lot easier to develop a relationship with the patient as well as to control uh, infection, et cetera. So I only see continuous growth of AFCs because the patients love it. And uh, we, from our group in Kalamazoo, published a couple of papers uh, talking about the patient satisfaction in office-based labs. And in one paper, our patient satisfaction was 98%. And in the other paper, it was 99%. Because the patients love coming to a smaller facility where they know everybody. In the hospital system, uh, if the patient satisfactions uh, goes beyond 75 or 80%, usually the CEOs and the management team gets a bonus. So the, the, the thresholds are very different. You know, we aim in an ASC to at least have a satisfaction rate of 95% or more, uh, which is unheard of in a hospital setting. Absolutely. That, that's a really great point. Now, Dr. Jane, looking into the future, how do you see heart care and cardiology um, particular you know, evolving in the outpatient space within the next five years or so? 
Yeah, so what has happened over the years, over the last few years, and that happened after the Affordable Care Act, because there were many provisions in that way, good and bad, uh, and some of that, some of the provision pushed the doctors uh, into the hospital employment model, because uh, running a practice, especially for a small group or a solo practice, was extremely difficult and very expensive. The, the, the cost of running a practice have gone significantly. So as a result, many, many cardiologists, and not only just the cardiologists, uh, the vascular surgeons, uh, intervention radiologists usually are hospital employed to begin with, or they have hospital contracts. But many of the vascular surgeons and the cardiologists got pushed into the hospital setting. But now with the advent of this uh, new way of pr- pr- providing care to patients in NASC, uh, what I see, uh, many phone calls that I, I get from uh, vascular surgeons and cardiologists are uh, uh, that they have been in the practice or employed model for three to five years. And that's usually when their contract starts to have more regulatory system or more regulations or productivity-based, et cetera, et cetera. The initial honeymoon period is over. And at that point, uh, many of the uh, interventionists are trying to move out of the hospital. So seeing an ASC as an opportunity where they can make a little bit more money than just from the professional component, I get a lot of phone calls from people who want to move out into in, into the system. And just to explain it a little bit further, uh, what happens in an ASC is uh, when you do a procedure in an ASC, the ASC gets paid for the technical component, the same thing that the hospital would get paid if you did a procedure in a cath lab or an operating room. And then the physician is able to bill for the professional component, uh, just like they're able to bill now they're doing a procedure in the hospital. So when they do a procedure in the hospital, they only get the professional component if they work in an ASC. So they also get the technical component. And after all the expenses are paid, they can have a small amount of profit from the ASC, which uh, uh, pads the income. So they get the professional component and uh, based on their shares in the ASC, they can also benefit from the technical component, which in a hospital system always goes to the hospital. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And, you know, another incentive, I suppose, for surgeons and, and physicians who are thinking about being part of that type of arrangement or opening a center to, to really make that leap forward. Um, do you see, you know, more surgeons across the country doing that? Or, or do you think it'll take a little bit of time? You know, what's the momentum like from your experience in, in conversations with others? Yeah, the momentum is building. But one of the things that holds back people, uh, which uh, most of the states actually in this country do have what is called, uh, you need to get a certificate of need. And that is at the state level, that is not at the federal level. So many states, because of the lobbies from the hospital systems and some of the, uh, some of the payers, et cetera, uh, are very, very strong. And they prevent the certificate of need system to go away because it needs to go away. That's the only way you can open more ASCs and provide better care to the patients at a much more reasonable price. So one of the, so some of the states where the certificate of need is not required like Texas, uh, there are many, many more ASCs as compared to some of the states where the certificate of need is required, uh, like New York or Michigan. Uh, then the growth of these uh, ASCs is much more restricted. But when people are working in the office base, they have in the office, you don't need a certificate of need for that. And then those, so you're seeing many more office-based labs opening around the country as compared to ASCs because of the certificate of need. Got it. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Dr. Jane, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? Well, what I'm most excited about is that, you know, the trend over the last few years, the trend was that more and more people, more and more doctors were being employed for the, by the hospitals. 
But now that uh, people are seeing the vision of, uh, or the CMS has seen the vision that they provide care, better care or the equivalent, better or cheap and more cost-effective care can be provided in an outpatient setting. So many of the doctors are looking now again to go back into private practice instead of being employed. Uh, but what worries me the most actually is the corporate, the corporations, uh, big, big corporations, the hospital mergers, uh, owning hospitals and owning doctors. So the doctors are actually not able to provide the care, kind of care they want to provide. It is when the, when the mergers were happening, it was touted that the quality of care uh, will go up. But over, the, over a period of time, it has been proven by multiple, multiple studies that the quality of care has never improved, while the cost of care has gone up significantly. So one of the, my biggest fear is that, you know, if more and more doctors continue to be employed by the hospitals and the hospitals continue to merge, then the cost of medicine will actually go up and the quality of care may go up or actually go down because the corporations and the hospital mergers and the big hospital systems, most of the time are driven by profit margins rather than, though they, they, they do talk about quality of care, but ultimately, if the hospital is not making profits, the quality of care usually suffers. Dr. Jane, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you for inviting me, and I'm happy to talk to you again uh, whenever you think there's a need.